Good morning, Grace Church. We are live streaming together from Orlando, Florida. And I say together because of course right now we are going through the virus uh, and all of that stuff. So we're praying and believing with you, standing with you, believing you are remaining healthy. And if you are sick, then we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would be healed. As you're gonna hear today uh, from Rick and Judy Manis, we are gonna talk about the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter five. You're gonna love this and you're gonna see all that is within you right now in Christ and all of the fruit that you have available as you go through this season uh, with us all. We all go through this together. Hey, we love you, hope you enjoy this, and we'll see you soon. Hi, we're still in Galatians 5 this week, and uh, we're pointing to how Paul talked about that there are two ways, or two trees, uh, that you can bark up. One of them is the way of the Spirit, which produces life, and the other is the way of the flesh, which just produces death and actually more flesh. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, A good tree will bear good fruit. And here in Galatians chapter 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, it comes from the Spirit, which is that good tree. And so we trust completely in the Spirit. And because we have the Spirit living in us, this is how the fruit is inevitably changing us from the inside out. And we don't go back to any kind of uh, willpower religion or uh, self-motivation or self uh, our, our own strength or abilities. We trust completely in Jesus, and we're so thankful for that. I can handle that. I can handle his strength. <laughs> I can rely on that a lot more than I can rely on mine. So we, we love him, and we worship him for that, and, and this is good news. This is true good news that we're, uh, that we're preaching. Now, uh, last night we were both talking about this, and we were talking about Matthew chapter 7, how... Um, how there is that tree that Jesus talked about. Yeah, I kind of wanted to start there because you were talking about this in your last message, you will know them by their fruits. And, and do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And it talks about that every bad tree bears bad fruit and every good tree bears good fruit. You can't get good fruit from bad trees, you can't get bad fruit from good trees. And I thought this was interesting. I looked up the word bad. You know, it's translated um, uh, in English, bad tree, bad fruit, almost like they're the same word, bad. But in the Greek, they're actually two different words. So the bad that describes the tree in the Greek is sapros, and it means rotten, putrefied, worthless. 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 And the bad that describes the fruit in the Greek is poneris, which means full of labors, annoyances, hardships, pressed and harassed by labors, bringing toil. That sounds like the way of the flesh. <laughs> I know. So it's like this worthless tree produces hardships, annoyances, bringing toil. And that's really what the way of the flesh. And, and Jesus said, come to me, all you that are working hard. You're <laughs> laboring and toiling, right? Yeah, I, I'm easy. So in the seed and the sower parable, this is really cool you know, when he talks about the, the thorns and the thistles, because, um, you know, Jesus in Matthew, this is during the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? Well, in the seed and the sower parable, the thorns and thistles, he, he explains it, Jesus explains it as um, the, the flesh that, 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 that thorns and thistles means worries and anxieties. That's what it translates as. And um, this is what also in Genesis, when, you know, after Adam had chosen the way of, of the, the carnal way, the flesh way, 
God said to him, you know, I'm sorry, but this is what this produces. It produces flesh. It produces thorns and thistles. It's going to be hard for you because that's what that carnal or that flesh uh, path that's what it. That's why he said, "Don't choose up. that way. Choose yeah, me." Yeah, don't do that. Because he loved good. us. He didn't want it to be hard. <laughs> so the flesh system can never offer life. It can only offer you worries, more more fears, anxieties. You know, it's in the temporal world, which is never lasting. The eternal world or the spirit world, it's mm. eternal. It's always lasting. It offers life, which is nourishment, fulfillment, rest. You know, care, encouragement, healing. You know, in, um, in the Greek, the good of the good tree, agathos, means good and beneficial. This will be beneficial As for you. As opposed to worthless from the yeah. bad tree. And the good of the good fruit in the Greek is kalos, which means beautiful, good, and valuable. And that brings us to this uh, passage in Galatians, this message which I titled, The Inevitable Expressions of Divine Love. I like the word inevitable. Yeah, because a fruit is inevitable. If the tree is good, there's inevitable fruit that's going to come and out. And we, we, we tend to think a lot of times that it's up to us to produce that. Yeah. we're trying to make it happen. I think that's when I get the most anxious. That's when I get the most, like, oh, I can't do this, you I know. I need patience right now. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's, uh, anyway, the, the text that we're, we're talking out of today is, is in Galatians 5.22 to 5.23. And it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And they're so beautiful. It's kind of like, so, you know, Paul's trying to tell the people, don't, don't follow after legalism or the law, but it's kind of like he says, now, if you do want to fulfill the law, he says, there's no law against this. Yeah. This is what the Spirit does. Yeah, yeah. So a few years ago, I wrote a book. I, I wrote a book called The Fresh Fruit of the Spirit, and it actually came out of a blog I was doing. And how it came about was I felt like in, in a lot of my teachings, like in, in years past, I could spend like 90% of the message talking about what was wrong and then like 10% like, oh, God loves you and it's good, you know? And I thought, why am I not majoring on what is really inside me? What was really given to me? I we mean, we were more sin conscious, conscious, weren't we? Right. And so I was like, what, what if I just look at this treasure that God has given us, you know, in the spirit, every believer, when they believe, when they say yes to Jesus, they get this treasure. Right? Yeah. They get this uh, almost like a, a diamond that's multifaceted. It has all these different uh, pieces to it. And you can just look at it and go, oh, that's so beautiful. And then you turn this way and you're like, oh, well, that's really beautiful too, you know. Love, joy, peace. Yeah. And I, and I started with love. And the thing that I thought about love was all these other fruits really are descriptions of that love yeah. that divine yeah. love yeah. and everything we talk about in these fruit of the spirit these these are descriptions of god and this these are descriptions of yes, us yes it's who right? he is yeah and he's placed himself in us so this is what we have so um i want to look at the first fruit love and you know when i was thinking about writing about it 
The first scripture that came to my mind was somewhere in the Bible, Jesus, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I was like, where, where, where is that? And it's the story of the rich young ruler. And I thought it was so interesting where that statement came and why. So the rich young ruler, he's, he's a religious leader. He comes up to Jesus and he asks him, how can I have eternal life? You know, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, you know, keep the commandments. This is what they'd been taught. You know, love your neighbor. You know, don't commit adultery. Don't do this. Don't do that. And the, the rich young ruler is like, well, I've done all that since my youth. And that's when Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I thought that was so interesting because this rich young ruler, he just pretty much told Jesus that he did everything perfect. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is like, yeah. But it's interesting that he still felt like he was lacking. He still said, what right. must I do after I've done everything? And like you explained last in your message last week was that never produces satisfaction. So you're always feeling like you're lacking. Even if you complete all these things, you always feel like there's something else right. that I'm going to have to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then, so funny, then Jesus gives him like an extra legal law to keep he says um, now go and just sell everything you own and then you'll fulfill the extent of the law to love your neighbor as yourself <laughs> yeah. you've sold everything you've given it to all the poor and then come follow me you know come give up your religious um, ministry all you have. yeah and and then come follow me and that way you'll fulfill the extent of love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's, and the young man, the rich young ruler, he just looks, it says he looks downcast. Too much. Yeah, and he walks away sad. It's like Jesus, like he, his flesh could take him so far, but Jesus mm -hmm. was showing him, your flesh can never get you there. Yeah. <laughs> look how far it would, you would really have yeah, to go. Yeah, and you could kind of look at it like, well, that was kind of mean of Jesus to do that. But it was actually a very... Uh, a profound thing that he did. He said, this is the extent. If you want to go down that path. He said, if you will be perfect. This is, yeah. the, this is where it goes. It was actually a very loving thing to do. And, and Jesus, Jesus loved him also because he knew that he couldn't do it. And he knew that he, Jesus was going to go to the cross and do it for him. So that there would be a way for even the rich young ruler yeah. To have eternal life, yeah. to inherit and eternal Peter's life. And then Peter's like, oh, that's a lot, Jesus. Who can be saved? <laughs> I know. The disciples were like, oh, my gosh. Because Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And, and all the disciples were all shocked. Like, what do we? And Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. In other words, with the flesh way, it's really impossible. You, but you just can't. with God, it's possible. It's possible. So... And the thing I, I think about love, and, and you talk about this a lot, is we're not talking about human love. We're not talking about mm -hmm. um, the carnal love, which, which is beautiful, but it comes to an end. Right, it inevitably still limited. comes to an end. It's yeah. limited. It's limited when the object of its love changes mm -hmm. or it does things that it doesn't displeasing. like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the extent of human love. It's really wonderful. We feel it. It's really great mm -hmm. when we feel it, but it's, it's very limited. It changes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a problem people have with when you talk too much about love, like I do. People think I talk too much about love. And they say, well, love is nice, but 
you know, we need more than that. And I think, mm -hmm. oh, you're thinking of human love here. Yeah. <laughs> this is a love that goes past Beyond. our understanding. And, and I think even I have put that human love on God. Like, surely if I err, if I do something wrong, he's, he can't love me then. I mean, he's got to be a little mad at me, right? right like a little bit upset with be. me. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, we're, we're asking, and, and I think even Paul in this letter is inviting people to look that beyond what they've known as love and, and see a bigger love, a divine he, love. He even describes it in Ephesians 3.19 as a, a love that passes understand, that goes beyond our understanding. Right. You can't get it. You can't even define it because right. it's too big. Right. It really is unconditional. Yeah. And, they, and you know, it says, when, when, when it says in, in um, chapter, I think it's John, he says, but God so loved the world, he, he loved the world, even in its, like, worst sin condition like we were not cleaned up we were pretty ugly you know we were you know angry and fighting and even had our fists towards god even in that moment god loved us and he sent his son at the ugliest we were that's a divine it's love conditions yeah. and it's mm -hmm. it's it's funny that he would love us that way and then people say well if america does this god's gonna pour out his anger you know all the, it's just only by the Spirit can we know this love. Right. And I think that, that us going that other, with that other tree, trying to do it by that other tree, we have missed, I know, we have missed the one source of life. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's, it's that love in our heart that I found is what changes us. Right. Nothing else. If you want to, to live better, to, to be more godly, to treat people better, to enjoy you know, God and, and, and uh, the life that God's given you, mm -hmm. find out how much he loves you. Believe yeah. it. Consider it. Yeah, and you know, when I was writing about love and joy and peace and patience, I thought to myself, this is me. Like everyone, every believer should sit down and really look at what they've been given because God's going to reveal it to you in a way that makes sense to you and a way that speaks to how you learn and how you uh, experience things. I was just blown away by while we were yet sinners, mm -hmm. he loved us. You know, what I like about your book and why I like recommending it is because a lot of Christians have the idea that, th that this, this, these fruits are things that we produce. Mm -hmm. For instance, you know, God's putting me through all these hard times and making me wait for things because he's trying to teach me patience. Mm -hmm. And really all that did for me is it either made me frustrated or I just gave up. I'm just, I'm not even going to ask yeah. for it anymore. I've know? never <laughs> met anybody who said that, that actually felt like they got patience. Like no, they always they're, they're, felt like they were being taught 60 patience. 60 years as a Christian, <laughs> they're they still learning patience, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and all these other things. We think that we develop these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, you, you talk about when you, you said, Lord, all my fruit is plastic. You know, yes. it's man-made. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good from far away. It looks good from the outside. But I knew in my heart that it wasn't producing life. Like, mm -hmm. I, I saw people who produce life, and, and it was clear in their interactions with people that something was happening there. I felt like people from afar could look at me and go, well, you know, she she went to Africa on a mission, you know, in the mission trip. And, you know, she did these things. And so it looks good. But the actual day to day of producing life, I knew and God knew. We were like, I was like, there's something missing here. And it was frustrating to me because I couldn't make it come about. I couldn't 
produce it of myself. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think it. it's a gift because people um, who are good in the flesh at stuff like that, they don't realize they need a, yeah, a, a savior. But I call that a trap. Yeah. Because some people have greater willpower than others. Yeah. So they can get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And because they see a little progress, they think this is the road to take. Right. And they just keep trying and trying and trying. Well, let's go on to the, um, the fresh fruit of joy or the fruit of the spirit of joy. You know, Jesus said in John, those things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That's John 15, 11. So he wants our joy full all the time. Well, and also he wanted his joy it's for his us. his joy, right. Which is right. different than what we were saying than before. Us, yeah, than us having our own joy. He said, I'll yeah. give you mine. Yeah. I'll give you mine that never stops. So I'm married to somebody who has this, like, spirit of joy or this fruit of joy. You wake up in the morning, he's always happy. Uh, we, uh, you know, have to spend $1,000 on our car a couple weeks ago. This one's happy. You know, the, the temporal situations go up and down, but you have this joy that just stays like that. And, and you know, there again, know how you do there that. again, people got to know that this thing comes by the gift mm -hmm. because for 20 years, I tried to get this joy because mm -hmm. my life was, I mean, I'd go into depression and oppression as a Christian minister sometimes and trying to, and I'd have to fight for that joy I felt, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'd, you know, I'd be in services and they'd say, if you want joy, you must jump for it. And so I would jump or you must clap for it. And you do everything to try to get that joy, but you bring out how it's a gift. Mm -hmm. and, and there's something about knowing that, that you can, that you know, oh, it's, I have it. Mm -hmm. So I can always draw from it. Rest in it. And there mm -hmm. are moments when sometimes the things of life will distract me and I'm like, oh no, this is the last thing I need. What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. But because, because you become aware that, well, I have this source. Mm -hmm. I have a, I have, I have a gift that I can, that I can draw on right now. You can, what, what that is, is when you're getting distracted, it's you're putting your mind on the things of the flesh and it just produces death again, you mm -hmm. know, or, the, you know, the feelings of it. And you remember truth, you turn, it's like you turn to the spirit, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you hear me, I'll say, Father, what do you say about this? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll get direction or sometimes I'll just say, trust me. But either way, it produces a real peace mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense because the situation is not peaceful. And it produces a real joy. It really is a gift that doesn't have anything to do with us. I think it's interesting they call, they, they define in the Bible that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy. Yeah, peace and joy. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it, it's it, pretty simple. Yeah. And it's, and it's powerful. And I also think this is the clever thing about Jesus. I think he is so clever. But Joy is good for you. Laughing and, and having a good time. This is like healthy for you. It's life. It's life. It really is life. So let's look at peace because it's kind of similar in the sense that um, the scripture I, I refer to in this uh, section is peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's John 14, 27. Not as the world gives. Yeah. So how does the world give us peace? So the way I always felt that you got peace was after the situation was over. So like, you know, if I was praying for, you know, a I had to make a decision. Well, once the decision was made, then I'll have Once peace. Once it came out okay, yeah. then you could 
rest or inside. Once I got healed from the sickness, then mm. I'd be okay. Or once I found a husband and, and got married, then everything would be okay. <laughs> so that's your peaceful when the situation allows it. So that's worldly peace, and that's good. I mean, it's okay. Better to have, have that, that than, than nothing. Not, yeah. <laughs> but the peace that Jesus was talking about, the disciples knew because they hung out with him. They watched him. They watched him being accused by the Pharisees. To, they, they accused him of being the, a devil. They accused him of being crazy. Um, and he had peace. They that. watched him sleep in the boat during a storm yeah. and said, don't you care? <laughs> yes. So I totally am going to tell on myself because there have been times where Rick has had peace in very challenging times we faced. And I have been tempted to say that. Like, don't you care that this situation, I want you to feel fear like I'm feeling fear so that we can be in this fear together. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> but, I, but I thought, oh, maybe he doesn't care, but you do care. I know you It's, it's interesting. They thought, they really thought Jesus didn't care. And I think sometimes we think that about God, you know, because we're looking, we're looking right. for the situation to bring peace and we want God to do the work out there. But Jesus said, there is tribulation in the world, but be of good cheer. Be happy and enjoy it yeah. because I've overcome it. And he overcame yeah. it by putting this in us. I, I want to say, when I finally got peace as a Christian, it, it is worth more than money and all the money. It is the biggest treasure to finally have that peace. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus did say, it's been hard on you guys. Come, I'll give you rest for your soul. Mm -hmm. And... It's just, it's good to have that. And so you watch the world go like this. Your situations get good, they get bad, they get bad. But it's wonderful to be able to wake up every day and just watch it and smile. Mm -hmm. And we're going to live forever, mm -hmm. right? So we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, patience. Uh, this is another beautiful, like, like you're saying, it's a treasure that we have, we've been given. It's not something we're working on or trying to get. It's something that if we just stop, breathe, and remember, we have this. We've got this. We've got Jesus' patience within us. And I love this scripture. You have a great story with this. Um, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James yeah, 1, I, yeah, I got it from, I heard, heard somebody preach a sermon on this a long time ago, and he said, you know, imagine patience is the name of your cook, <laughs> you know, and you're like, patience, you know, I'm hungry, you know, and patience says, okay, and she's working on the meal and all that, and you're like, I'm tired of waiting, so you pull out the gun, you shoot patience, like, there, <laughs> you know, your frustration, but now you don't get to eat, so you're still lacking, yeah. but I like that lacking nothing, because there again, here's how, I, what I learned about it. You know, I, I, like I said, I used to think patience was that God would put us through these hard things. And I would always say, I guess God's trying to teach me patience. You know, I mean, I'd say that for decades. But when I knew the fullness of God through his love and grace, when I, when I began to see that and experience that, I found myself being patient because we're lacking nothing. You get this, you get this idea that we have Jesus, therefore we have everything. Mm -hmm. So you're not lacking. If you're in a situation where you need more money um, and your bank account's low, it just seems like you feel wealthy. It's like, 
I'm in the best place I can be. Mm-hmm. I am not lacking. And so that patience allows you to wait. It's for, for instance, let's say you're praying for a loved one. Maybe, you know, people have children that, you know, their lives have gone a bad way and they're, they're you know, they're praying that it'll turn around. And, and when you can receive it in the now, knowing that God has given you everything that you need, you know, and he's taking care of everything in the spirit and you can rely on that, that's faith. And mm-hmm. so you can be patient while the kid's still bouncing off the walls, yeah. you know, it's like your and patience. making wrong choices. Yeah, your patience inside you supersedes what you're seeing mm-hmm. in the temporary carnal world. And it's a gift. It's not something, it's, it's, not, a, um, it's not a behavioral discipline mm-hmm. that we learn. Right. It's a gift that's been given. Yeah. And when we see that, then it's, it's much easier than to just turn to it. Mm-hmm. and draw from it, drawing from that well. One of my favorite verses that you refer to quite a bit is Philemon 1, mm. six. Well, yeah. there's only one chapter, but verse 6, it says that our faith becomes effective yeah. by acknowledging every good thing within us. So if patience is in us, we acknowledge it. We acknowledge it. We don't say, oh, I don't have any patience. This is, this is hard. That's, that's key. That is key because that's what we, we hear most people falling into. Pray that God will give me patience or pray that God will give me love for this person or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is that we got the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. And that includes all of it. We got it in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. When we got the Holy Spirit, we got that whole thing. Yeah. We got all the fruit. We got all the, all, all the kingdom. And so as long as you think that you don't have patience. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm -hmm. You're going to always live like a person trying to get patience. Mm -hmm. I did it for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But when you see the truth, the truth is what makes you free. When you see the truth that I have it, it's a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I didn't learn it. I didn't climb to the top of this mountain. I got lifted up here somehow. (laughs) And you learn that. Then then, then then you have something to draw from. Mm -hmm. And you're never without strength. You're never without peace. You're, you're never without any of these things because right. you carry it all the time. Paul says something about this. Um, I, I can't remember where, but it's he, he uses language like just sink back into. Uh, I think Put it's on like the new man where he says yeah. that. Yeah, you just kind of sink back into your your outfit. Because someone asked us about that and said, "Okay, Rick, if we're not if we, if we don't do anything, that it's all Jesus. Why did Paul say?" Put on the new man. Don't we have to do something? So that's when we looked up and gave that definition. It doesn't mean that you, it means that you sink back into something. What you're already wearing. Right, right. (laughs) I love um, the fruit of kindness. This is one of my favorites because in Romans uh, it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. So that must be pretty powerful. And a lot of times we look at these fruit in the fruit of the spirit and there's like a a, a fake one in the carnal. Like always. A, I think there's always a counterfeit. A in, counterfeit. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. So the counterfeit in the world system is is really condemnation. They think if I condemn you or I you know, I, I tell you, put you. pressure on you, tell you what's wrong, that'll lead you mm-hmm. to changing your mind. But actually, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So kindness must, it must not be some weak, wimpy little gift. Right. It must be pretty powerful. Yeah. Right. I think about this time, it was about 10 years ago, I was suffering from a really deep depression. And I had just begun to learn about 
the things of God from this perspective, from a, a gracious perspective. And I remember just feeling so bereft and so lost and, and that God would sit with me. I, I would feel him just kind of sitting with me. You know, he wasn't like, oh, I got to help you get out of this. I got to get, he just kind of sat with you me. You got to deal with this issue you have. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, the truth is during that time, I don't know that I recognized it so well, but when I look back on that time in hindsight, I can see so clearly that he was so kind to me in that state and he was gentle and he would really began to show me who I really was to him, that, that I was a delight to and him. And it changes your mind, mm -hmm. doesn't it? That's what that repentance is, right. right? It changes your mind about him and then you. I think of the prodigal son when you were just saying that because the prodigal son, his real problem was not that he was you know, sleeping with pigs. His problem was he didn't know how good his daddy was. Mm -hmm. He thought, well, maybe my daddy will, will, make, will let me have a job and I can work as a servant and, and, and maybe make a little money. But he didn't realize how good his daddy was. His daddy said, you ain't no, you're no servant of mine. You're my son. You always were, always will be. And uh, I've, I've loved you, you know, from the moment you left. And, and he, he treated him like royalty. And he, and he threw a party and made him the guest of honor. And I always say that's when repentance happened. People always taught us that, that, that the son repented when he was in that pig pen and said, well, I will repent and go to the father's house. But he still had the same idea because we know repentance means to change your mind. Mm -hmm. He still had, his mind was not changed about his daddy. He was just trying to make his circumstances better. Mm -hmm. But when he saw the kindness of his daddy, it led him to change his thinking mm -hmm. about his daddy and, when he, and, and himself because he said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Mm -hmm. Just give me a job. But when he saw the kindness of his daddy, pretty soon he's in the middle of the room being the guest of honor, wearing the robe and partying, you know, yeah. like, hey, you know, you feel... I am worth it because my daddy thinks I'm worth enough to be this good to me. Mm -hmm. It yeah. changes your mind about you and your father. And I think when we think about these fruit of the spirit that's within us, it first applies to us, but then it applies to, it goes out to the people in our circle of influence. Yeah, so when you see someone thinking wrongly to, to harshly correct them or condemn them for thinking a different way is, is really ineffective. It's it's a temporal, carnal way of, of handling it. Exactly. So to think on how God has, um, you know, given you kindness and how you just automatically can kind be kind to people who who really need a change of mind. They just need to be thinking different, really. And it's the kindness that leads to that. You know, I hear people say, well, God sure doesn't like this and he doesn't want that and here's, and God's going to get tired of that. And they say all these things. And I'm like, you know, he's never been anything but kind to me. He's never been anything, but he's always been patient. He's always been loving. He's been understanding. I mean, even when I was at my worst, he wasn't like, he, he never, there were times I would beg God, change me. I don't like myself being this way. And that wasn't an issue with him. He wanted to love me say that what, what he said to you you oh. were like i don't want to be like this you don't want me to be like this oh Fix i locked me. myself up in a, in a hotel room for three days because i was like i'm having this issue i'm going to get this thing out of me yeah. <laughs> you know and i'm begging god you know i don't like it you don't like it case closed change me <laughs> now you know and uh but he said and something he spoke so by beautiful his spirit. he always yeah. is gentle 
And he said, he said, son, I could, I could do any, I could change that right now. He said, but I'm weaving my ways in you. You're walking with me and you're learning my ways. Mm -hmm. And so when, when those ways change about you, they'll be eternally changed. Mm -hmm. It won't be a, a deliverance that you have to ask for again and again. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he does. It's a walk. It's a walk with God who mm -hmm. is all of these things. Yeah, I love the weaving his ways because it reminds me of a garden, you know, a, yeah. a fruit. It starts out really as the sap that comes through the, the, the trunk of the tree and in, into the leaves. It starts as like a really piece of the sap and then it, it becomes a blossom. And then that blossom slowly turns into a little piece of fruit and then a bigger piece of fruit and then a, a bigger piece and then it's a ripened fruit. So all that time all that is that fruit it's just growing that's why you call it the inevitable expressions yeah. because even when it's just a blossom still, you don't look at it and say oh, i wish i had fruit yeah. you rejoice you celebrate <laughs> right you and we coming. tell people celebrate the growth yeah. enjoy the growth don't, don't be like the rich young ruler that that demanded perfection yeah enjoy the walk enjoy mm -hmm. the relationship these are good times so the fruit of the spirit, goodness, this is one that you really- I love really, this one. This, um, one. this one impressed me when I was reading your book because I always thought kindness and goodness were basically the same thing. I thought, how are you gonna draw a line between them? But but you brought out that that goodness gives extra. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. And God does always give extra. Right, so I was, uh, I love flowers. I love fresh flowers and I had taken a picture of a rose and I wanted, I was posting it on Instagram and I wanted to find a quote. Really, I was looking for a Shakespearean quote to go with the, with the picture. And I actually came across a quote from Sherlock Holmes. It's, it's by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and I thought it was so beautiful. And it says, what a lovely thing a rose is. Our highest assurance of the goodness of providence seems to me to rest in flowers. All other things, our powers, our desires, our food, are really necessary for our existence in the first instance. But this rose is an extra. Its smell and its color are an embellishment of life, not a condition of it. It is only goodness which gives extras. And so I say again that we have much hope from flowers. And this is how, why God is extravagantly loves us or how, if you look at it, of course, you see examples in the Bible where he doesn't just barely do something. He doesn't barely feed the multitude. They get full and yeah. then there's, there's extra. And, and the, the, the men that work one hour a day, you know, in the one hour of the day in Matthew 20, he gives them a full day's pay. Yeah. He gives extra uh -huh. and that's just goodness. And, you know, we say, you know, if God never did anything good for me the rest of my life, I've, I've got more than my money's worth. Yeah. He has been good. He has done extra, hasn't he? Yeah, that's great. You're my extra. You're my extra. <laughs> Faith, he didn't have to do this. No, he, he didn't. didn't have to, we would have been followed we God. Would we would have been okay. okay. Mm -hmm. Faithfulness. Uh, I love uh, faithfulness because Jesus coming to us really r illustrated God's faithfulness. That even when we're behaving mm -hmm. in ways that aren't uh, indicative of him or, or you know, presenting him in a good life, he is faithful. He's, he remains steadfast is right. what that word means, right? Yeah. And it reminds me of a gardener I talk about in the book uh, that my dad is a, a farmer, a gardener, and uh, 
one of the things I really notice about him is that he's faithful. Up in the morning, he's looking at those plants. He's, you know, he's really tending to them. He cares about what happens to them. If there's a drought, he just takes care of that. Water, water. yeah. If it floods, yeah. if it washes all the plants away, what does he do? He goes out and plants again, you yeah. know, and, and he's, he's steadfast. It's yeah. like he doesn't give up on that, and he... And he keeps going. I like that, 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 that he stay. That's when you look at it that way, you see that he's always the same. Mm -hmm. If we're unfaithful, if we're yeah. faithless, it doesn't change him. Yeah. So it's all unconditional. It has, mm -hmm. it, again, it has nothing to do with us. He stays who he is. He's still steadfast. He's still there with us. He's the God who stays. Yeah, that's he a cannot good song. deny himself. He can't. He can't change because he's like he can't have a day when he's not God. Mm -hmm. If we're ungodly acting in our behavior. There's, he, he won't. He can't deny who he is. He's still faithful to mm -hmm. us. It doesn't change his blessing on us, right. his love for us, his favor in our lives. Mm -hmm. He remains faithful. Yeah, Second Timothy two thirteen. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Just like what you said. He can't deny himself. He can't quit being God just because of us. <laughs> Gentleness is also a really cool. They're all really cool. This is powerful. <laughs> yeah. This was good. So in Proverbs 15, 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a hard word stirs up anger. And what we saw in that was how powerful yeah, gentleness there again, is. Gentleness. I mean, and, and, and I, you know, I, a lot of people, they don't, they think I'm, I call for too much gentleness in the way that, that I like to deal with the world. And they think it's a weak and a wimpy thing. Mm -hmm. They think it's a way to lose. Mm -hmm. But here, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. a, a, to, to, a gentle answer can turn away wrath and anger. And people think a lot of times it's wrath and anger that's a show of power. Mm -hmm. That's a manifestation of strength. Yeah. But it says gentleness overcomes that. And it does. Well, I actually looked up the word gentle, and it said that it's power that is contained out of love. That, that it is power, but it's contained for love's sake. How many times do you have, you deal with a person who might be upset or angry, and if when, when, when you can be gentle, it disarms them? Mm -hmm. The tendency is to give wrath for wrath. We want to dig our heels in and say, no, I'm right, and here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. but, if you, but God, see, this is, and these are the things of God. This is how God is with us. He's always been gentle with me. Even when I begged him to be harsher at times you know yeah he's just gentle and that's and that gentleness has changed me mm -hmm. it has changed me and it's made me more gentle mm -hmm. imagine that i love it you look at god you look at jesus and you see gentleness and then you can start beginning to see it in you and this is the gift that i've been given and then you start seeing it just come out of you to people don't you love that it's like a you know, it almost surprises you. It does. More than the, the person doesn't even know, but you're, you're surprised. Uh, Self-control is the last one, and it's often referred to as temperance. I like this because we think it means willpower. Yeah. And it's very easy to get this one confused and with think fleshly your, willpower. Yeah. They're, again, relying on our strength or ability. Yeah. I'll just read this Colossians verse. It's kind of long, but... You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. I think it's so important. You died with Christ. Anyway, uh, so why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things 
that deteriorate. They're gonna end, they're gonna... Things of the world. As we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil there again, desires. I think that's, desires. In fact, I see Paul saying that in Galatians, and in Galatians 5, he says, they're wanting you to go with the, to the, the way, the tree of the flesh, but here's what it produces. Here's the fruit. It does not have the power to conquer a person's desire, evil desires. And I'll tell you too, in my own experience, when I did have good self-control over something, I inevitably got prideful about it. It maybe wasn't a big pride, but it was still like I did this. It'll do two things. You'll think that you you'll think that you're good, and mm -hmm. see, there's that opportunity for the flesh to be something. Yeah, get credit. Good flesh. Yeah. You'll either think you're good, or you'll fail with your willpower, and, and then you'll think, think you're, you're horrible. Yeah. Neither one of them are any good. And one one final thing I wanted to mention about this is, when Jesus came, he said, "I came. He's coming for your inner." He, he's coming for the inner change within you mm -hmm. so that what's coming out of you is inevitably good. If you just work on the outside, which many of us, which that's all we knew, you, you, you were just, it was hard. It was just a, a wrestling, a it's fighting. It's the bad tree with bad fruit. Bad fruit. So. And he's the good tree. Yeah. I, I wanted to finish out Galatians because this is the end of chapter 5. And uh, the last part of uh, chapter 5 says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay. See, I always thought this was saying, if, you, if, you, if, if you're his, then crucify the flesh. But he mm -hmm. says you have. Yeah. If you're his, it's done. It's you happened. already have, so yeah. let it go. Just take a moment and remember that. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is what trying to attain righteousness, perfection, or godliness by our abilities and willpower does. Just like you said, you'll either become conceited. What do we do? We judge other people mm -hmm. that haven't stopped some of the things that we've stopped and don't do some of the things that we do. Mm -hmm. And we have this going on all over, even among Christians. Mm -hmm judging and envying one another. So if you walk by the Spirit and you're living by the Spirit, you won't think that highly of yourself or that lowly of yourself. You won't become conceited. You won't start trying to provoke people. I see this on social media a lot that Christians that we know and love and we know their heart, it means right, but they're provoking. They're they just think they're provoking. good. Yes. They think they're good they because they're they've helping. done some, yeah. some things that they think are good. This is so good because this, this is clearly shows this is the fruit of even good behavior yes. in your own strength. Yes. Right? Yeah. We call it USDA choice yeah, flesh. Yeah, choice flesh. There's, that, there's USDA choice and there's rotten flesh. <laughs> and they're both flesh. I know, and I'm sometimes thankful that I have the list. And you have this beautiful way of wrapping this up with what I loved. Okay, this is from Matthew 11, 29, and 30. We know this from the message, but I really feel like Jesus giving us the spirit and giving us this treasure inside of us, this is what results from that. Walk with me, Jesus says. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
And that's what he wants. Amen. And that's what he worked. Yes. And that's what he gave. And that's what we have. When you say oh. unforced rhythms of grace, that's the inevitable. That's the un inevitable. Uh, it comes from the tree of life or his spirit in us. I was going to say the inevitable expressions of that of divine, divine love, love for us and then through us. You know, this is so, I hope everybody can understand this because this is why I've never enjoyed life more. I've never loved God more. Never, never felt more right with God and in, and, and in life and in my own skin. And I love how it makes me relate to the world around me. It's heavenly. This is the heaven on earth experience. Like you said, the kingdom of heaven is these things here. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Okay, should we pray? Okay. Father, I thank you for your gift. I, all we, what can we say about these things? Just thank you. Just thank you for what you've given us and thank you for that you have given us eyes to see truth that just makes us free. Let there be a great sense of joy, sense of adventure and just living and knowing and walking with you and watching the fruit continue to grow and be expressed in us and through us. We thank you, Father, for completing us. We thank you for filling our hearts with everything that our heart has ever desired. We acknowledge you and your good thing, and we just want to celebrate you all the days of our life. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Rick and Judy Manis uh, as Judy shares uh, on the fruit of the Spirit, which really uh, she spent a lot of time on in writing this book, the Fresh Fruit of the Spirit. I really enjoyed it. In fact, it was one of those books that I found myself kind of underlining uh, so much that I might as well have kind of underlined the whole thing. Uh, I wanted to pull a piece from this that I really, really enjoyed, uh, and it comes from her, her chapter on peace, where she says this, like love and joy, peace is your birthright as a believer. What an awesome thought. What an awesome thing to realize that when you need peace, which right now I know many of us do, it's not far from you. It's not something you're praying about and hoping God will give you peace. In fact, it is a birthright. It is something that you have the moment you believe and you can, you can rely on right now. So she explains all of that and, and, and even just sort of what that looks like in this book. And I really encourage you to use the links below to go and get yourself a copy and you can bring it to church when we're able to all come back together again uh, and talk with her about it. It's a great book and I hope you go get it. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you soon. Hey, it's me again one more time. I know I already said goodbye, but we're filming a lot of this ahead of time and it gets confusing. But I did want to draw your attention to one other thing. During this time, I know many of you uh, are going through hardships. Some of you have lost your jobs. Okay? Some of you don't know when you're going to be able to get back to work. Uh, and it is strange, I know, to think that at this time I am encouraging you to give. Okay, if you are somebody who cannot give, I'm not putting pressure on you to give or trying to make you feel bad. Uh, I'm asking every one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ to pray, to go to God and say, Lord, what would you have me give during this time? Maybe it's not money. Maybe it is your time. Maybe you can go to a next door neighbor and, 
and from a distance uh, offer a blessing or prayer or something practical maybe that they need. I, I've heard stories of people bringing toilet paper to neighbors and things like that, which, I mean, who knew that was going to be a thing uh, in 2020? So uh, look for ways to give during this season because remember, as believers, that's who we are. We are givers, okay? Now, on top of that, we have a fund. We have uh, some money, uh, a way to give online, by the way. You can go and click on the website, click give, and there somewhere there's a, there's a link or uh, an option, if you will, uh, to give towards a fund that we are collecting where every penny of it uh, will go towards helping people uh, fight that hardship right now, okay? So uh, we don't have a specific plan for all of it. Well, what we will do is tell you as we get a plan, we'll share with you how we're going to use the money to help. But I can tell you it will go towards helping those right now that are uh, just trying to get by because of, of the way that this virus has impacted them. So thank you for giving. Thank you for considering that, for praying about it. And uh, let's see what God will do during this time, okay? Be encouraged. Uh, don't give in to fear and all of that stuff. And instead, let's turn our prayers uh, together. Let's pray together is what I mean. Let's turn our prayers. So turn them, whatever that means. And uh, let's join together as we do so. See you soon. Thank you.